due to technical difficulties, we will join the service in progress. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. 
And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. And when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king! They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified.
So they took Jesus, and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write, the King of the Jews, but rather, This man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scriptures, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home.
After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place, that the scripture might be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. 
we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered for the sins of the people. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is put away. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered for the sins of the people. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered for the sins of the people. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It is finished. How many times have we each said that? 
The lawn work is done. It is finished. Homework. It is finished. The kitchen is sparkling clean and dishwasher running. It is finished. For us, things are never finished, though. The grass will grow again and need mowed in another week or even a day or two. Sorry, kids. Homework will be with you throughout your life in some form as you prepare for the next test that will come your way. And we all know the kitchen will be dirty again in the morning. It is finished. These words of our Lord are possibly, at least to my simple mind, the most gospel-filled words in all of Holy Scripture. Certainly for the criminal who hung on the cross next next to Jesus, it must have been. Remember his words, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom and the promise he was given by our Lord. Today you will be with me in paradise. And then he heard, it is finished. All of the promises made by our Heavenly Father to redeem creation since the fall, when Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden, have now been completed. The it in Jesus' statement is salvation. Salvation is always God's work, not ours. All of the Old Testament points to God saving his people. It was seen in the Passover in which God mandated how those who trusted and had faith in him would be saved. Salvation was entrusting God's promise that the sacrifice of the lamb and its blood on the doorpost and lintels would save them. Ironically, their remembrance of the Passover was taking place the same time Jesus' blood and life was being poured out for the sins of the world. In one of our recent Sunday texts, we heard of Daniel and his night in the lion's den. God locked the jaw of the lions. They did not harm Daniel. God's work, not Daniel's. He sat in the dark in the lion's den and trusted God. Even with Noah, his family in the ark, it was was God that saved. Yes, out of faith and trust in God, Noah worked and built the ark at the command of God and according to his design. But it was not Noah that saved. It was God. It was God that shut the doors of the ark and planted them safely inside. God saves his people. He loves and he gives life. He does not destroy. The devil is the author of death and lies, not God. The devil brought sin and death into creation to destroy what God had made that was good. It is God who loves and saves his people. And lest anyone think that there is a limiting factor in who is saved, all people are God's people. All have the same creator. Some just simply refuse to hear the word of their creator, God Almighty. God has written his law in their hearts of all men. But one man, he blasted his wrath against all sin, his utter condemnation of it unto death. But not upon just any man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, true God and true man, who led a perfect and sinless life to the glory of his Father, our Father in heaven, so that he, the Son of God, could die an innocent death for the sins of all. Those who fail to trust in Jesus' own words, it is finished, choose to listen to the lies of the devil that continue today, even in the face of defeat declared in Jesus' words on the cross. 
Jesus, as the Son of God, has the authority to proclaim it is finished and for it to be so. All the promises of God contained in Scripture concerning our salvation are fulfilled here in the glorification of Christ on the cross. It is Good Friday, the good day on which our Savior took upon himself our sins, yours, mine, the sins of those that went before us, and the sins that will follow in our footsteps. For all, it is finished. In our sinful condition, it is difficult to wrap our minds around how something could be finished before we see it as ever having started. I mean, Jesus died on the cross some 2,000 years ago. No one then could have imagined that you or I would even exist. No one except God our Father. He knew us before time and eternity. He knit each of us together in our mother's womb. And while we were still sinners, he chose to save us from our sins. On that Good Friday, it was finished. But we, sinful as we are, want to believe we must do something. We need to have some action to take, something to prove our worthiness to God that we might be worthy of salvation. We are tempted to take some credit of our own. In the strange times we are living through now, we might be tempted to place our faith in that something, the thing we do for our neighbor, or our more passionate moments of prayer. Some may think their taking risks to help others will win them favor with God that they might be saved. We might think of our suffering in some way as making us worthy. All of these, when done by God's people, are good and right but they are not salvific. They have no saving power. They are like cutting grass, doing homework, and loading the dishwasher. They are all tasks that are never finished, and they are not salvific because we could never do enough to win our, and purchase our own salvation. Only a fool would look at Christ on the cross and with faith in him think, good start, thank you, Jesus, now, must, now what must I do to finish the job you have begun? What must I do? How do I get to say it is finished? There is only one thing that is final in our lives, and that is death. And we do not even get to say the it is finished in that. God does. With this coronavirus, we hear a great deal about infection rates and death rates and what we might do to lower them. Do we not realize that the death rate for all creation is 100%? If you're, if you're living, you're dying. Possibly not today or tomorrow or even for decades. But for all of us, the Lord has graciously numbered our days to be spent in this veil of tears and fears. I remember watching the Ten Commandments as a kid when the angel of death came through. It was portrayed like a vapor running on the ground through the tight streets of Egypt. I remember the families in their houses eating what the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron, the meat roasted and the bread flat, and the screams they heard as people died, those whose doors were not covered by the blood of a lamb. There was fear as they listened to what was going on around them and at the same time trust in God as they turned back to the meal of roasted lamb and the unleavened bread and they ate. They trusted in God's promises 
in his deliverance by the blood on the doorposts and lintels of their homes. In baptism, we are covered with that blood of the Lamb that is Christ, and we are participating in his death and resurrection. At that moment, the words of Jesus ring true. It is finished. In baptism, we have full salvation and are raised from this life of sin and death into an eternal life of peace with God. Our life is recreated and hidden in Christ in his death and resurrection. Perhaps this Good Friday is not so good for you and your family. Perhaps all of the things you read and hear in the news are frightening, disturbing, downright scary. Our Lord knows fear, pain, loss, and isolation. He was fully man and feared the cross, asking his Father that it might be taken from him. Yet, thy will be done. He suffered the pain of scourging, the loss of dignity before men as, they, as he was hung, naked on a cross, reviled and mocked. He knew isolation as the eyes of all forsook him, including those of his Father in heaven. Remember his words? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it is finished. John 14 reads, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The Lord will take all who are his, those who trust in him and what he has done to save them through his salvific work unto himself. Some today, some tomorrow, some much, much later in his good and gracious timing. Until then, we live with the promise that already it is finished. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Upon the cross I stand. 
Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, graciously behold this, your family, for whom your, our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and delivered into the hands of sinful men to suffer death upon the cross. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you will that your Son should bear for us the pains of the cross and so remove from us the power of the adversary. Help us to remember and give thanks for our Lord's passion that we may receive forgiveness of sin and redemption from everlasting death. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 